A reading from the prophet Jeremiah, chapter 1, beginning with verse 4. Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Then I said, Ah, Lord God, truly I do not know how to speak, for I'm only a boy. But the Lord said to me, Do not say, I am only a boy. For you shall go to all to whom I send you. And you shall speak whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them. For I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. Then the Lord put out His hand and touched my mouth, and the Lord said to me, Now I have put my words in your mouth. See today, I appoint you over nations and over kingdoms to pluck up and to pull down, to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant. The Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. It's kind of hard to miss the irony of having this text show up in the lectionary for this week when we've heard so much of renewed interest in, I'm not even sure what the right term for it is, late, late-term abortions, things that make my heart hurt. The thought that somehow a child that can survive out the womb doesn't, out of the side of the womb, doesn't have a right to life boggles my mind. And it does so because your pastor believes that life is conceived in the mind of God, and it's largely because of a psalm in this text, but also because of experiences of having young children know who their relatives were when they'd never been told. A family in your congregation had that experience of a grandchild knowing their relatives. Which is spooky, to say the least. But regardless, we would learn here that God conceived Jeremiah long before his mother did. And it should make us pause and think, But that's not the point of this story. But it certainly speaks to our current context, doesn't it? Jeremiah had something happen to him. He says, the word of the Lord came to me. And the Hebrew word that he says came to me actually kind of means it happened to me. That it happened to him in a way that affected his certainty about himself and his future and everything else. And I wonder, have you ever felt like God was calling you to do something that made you feel uncertain about your future? About who you are? That's how I got here. This wasn't my plan. I wonder if you've had that experience. I wonder if you, like Jeremiah, threw up excuses. I had plenty of them. I had them all written down on legal paper. Jeremiah just had one. He said, I'm only a boy. 
I'm only a boy. What in the world could that do have to do with all of us? Well, here's the thing, dear ones. The church continues the prophetic role in the world. It is our job to stand up for those who are oppressed, who are hurt, who suffer injustices, and especially those who can't speak for themselves. Which is why we have embraced the idea of having a scouting program for children with special needs. Because that's what the church does. It stands as a prophet in the world and says that all lives matter, that all people have sacred worth, that no one is indispensable to God, and that God is calling all people into a new relationship with Him through His Son, Jesus Christ. And that's the announcement that God has for Jeremiah to make, that God is making a new commandment to give a new heart to the people. And He's chosen a boy. God has also chosen us. No matter what age you are, God has called you here today for a purpose. For a distinct reason. To be something that no one else can be. You are chosen to be His prophet, His person, His mouth, in your circumstances, in your family, in your life, in your school, in your workplace, in every place your feet step, which can't be occupied by any other foot. Have you ever tried it? It hurts. Let somebody stand on your foot and see if they can occupy your place. They can't. You alone can occupy the place to which God is sending you. And no one else. So the question that comes to mind is, what excuses will we make? What reasons will we give to preserve our comfort, our convenience? What reasons will we give when God calls us to go? And you might think, but that's not us. But listen to the words of our Lord in Matthew 28. Jesus came to them and said, All authority on earth has been given to me. Did you hear that? All authority on earth and heaven given to Jesus. So He says this out of every possible authority there is. These next words He says to the disciples, He says for all eternity to every person who calls Him Lord. These words... Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. The two greatest of which is to love God and love your neighbor as yourself. To love God and love others. Boy Scouts and Cub Scouts, y'all call that serve, right? To serve God and serve others. Jesus doesn't offer us a way out of that. He doesn't offer us a chance to make excuses. He says, because all authority belongs to me, you will go. As you go is the word. He doesn't just say go. He says, as you go, meaning as you depart from me, as you go wherever you go, wherever your feet occupy, your purpose for being there is to encounter someone who needs to know the good news of Jesus Christ. That sin doesn't have to separate us from God anymore. 
to declare the new covenant given by Jeremiah and Ezekiel and Isaiah and finally by Jesus. Given to the church to proclaim it that God has made a new way. That every heart can be changed from a heart of stone to a heart of love. Super Bowl Sunday, right? Isn't that right? Quarterback Joe Namath said that until he was 13, he thought his name was shut up. There's my football reference for the day. That's a good one, isn't it? But it fits. We tell our children over and over they can't do stuff. They have signs at the, at the fun park that you can't get on a ride until you're this old. I thought my child was going to be 30 before she could ride a roller coaster. When she came to us, she looked like she was one and she was two and a half, this little tiny thing. And she said, Daddy, I'm going to ride it when I get big old. And I think about all the times we told her she was too small or too little to do something. I wish I hadn't done it because God's message to Jeremiah is you're not too young. It doesn't matter who you are. What matters is I called you. What matters is I will send you. Do you hear the difference? I wonder what problems it caused Joe Namath that he thought his name was shut up. I really wanted to use the Bill Cosby one, but I can't use him anymore. Bill Cosby said that until he was an adult, he thought his name was Dammit. And he didn't say that as a joke. Think about the things we teach one another when we say that we're too little, we're too dumb, we're too quiet, we're too this or we're too that. Who in the world got to define what a proper prophet looks like other than God? Anybody? Who has the right to tell you that you are not a prof proper prophet for this world? If God has called you here to equip you to be a prophet. Lenny Bruce said, when you're eight years old, nothing is your business. But aren't our kids as much of a part of our family as anyone else? Are our kids not the same disciples that the rest of us are? Is an eight-year-old who knows Christ any less powerful than a 40-year-old who knows Christ? Does their prayer not work as well? Do you think God doesn't listen to children as much as He listens to preachers? I hope He listens more than He listens to me. Because children haven't yet been jaded by adults and taught what they can't be. No wonder Jesus said, if you want to come to me, you must become like one of these little ones. Depend on God, not on what people say about you. Not on what people say you can't do. There was this kid walked into a barber shop one day. The barber got down in the ear of his customer and said, hey, watch this, I'm going to show you something. This is the dumbest kid that ever lived. I promise you, this kid is rock stupid. Watch this. The barber puts a dollar bill in one hand and two quarters in the other. And he looks at the boy and says, hey, which one you want, son? And the boy runs up to him and takes the two quarters and runs out the door. 
And the barber looked down at his customer and said, What did I tell you? That boy's dumb as dirt. He never learns. Every time I do that, he takes the two quarters. He could go and get four quarters for that one dollar. What an idiot. When the customer leaves the store, he sees the kid walking out of an ice cream shop across the street. And he walks over and says, Man, can I ask you? Why would you take the two quarters instead of the dollar? And the boy says, well, as soon as I take that dollar, he'll stop offering them. (laughs) Sometimes young people are wiser than the old because they have enough sense to trust what's right in front of them. They have enough sense to trust the call of God on their lives. They have enough sense to trust that it's better to serve someone than hate them. If you watch children play on a playground, they don't play with just white children. They don't play with just black children. They don't play with just Hispanic children. They play with each other. It's adults that screw that up. Maybe God knew that too. Maybe God knew that His people needed the heart of a boy to stand in the midst of them and say, you've lost your way. And so maybe Jesus is right. Maybe we need to recover the courage of a child, the courage to depend not on ourselves, but on our Father. The courage to depend not on our own strength, but God's strength. The courage to depend on who God says God is and not who we say we are. Maybe we should stop putting them at a separate table at Thanksgiving. And telling them that they're less important than the adults. He says, I'm just a boy. Some adult had whispered in his ear that he would never amount to nothing. That he'd never be used for anything. One of our own congregation tells a story about taking his dad to a church he was building one time, and his dad looked at him and said, well, I guess I was wrong. Maybe you will turn out okay. Isn't that sad? What if we use God's eyes when we look at our young people? And instead of seeing their lack of potential, we saw their potential. And what if we went to that potential and served it? And what if we did everything we could to raise them up to hear God's voice to be who God wants them to be? Maybe our world would be different. Maybe our society would actually value the life of an unborn child. Like the little boy in the barbershop, Jeremiah knew the game. He didn't know the game. He thinks his call is predicated on him. That God's reaching out to him because of something he can do in his own strength or because of his age or pick something. All of those reasons that we have in our mind that God can't call us resonate with his excuses. Jeremiah didn't know how the game was played because you see... 
Our calling isn't predicated on our abilities. Our calling to be disciples of Jesus who make disciples of Jesus is predicated on the power and person of God. So Jeremiah says, I'm only a boy, and God says, don't say you're only a boy. I send you. Don't say you're only a boy. For you're going to speak the words that I give you. Don't say you're only a boy because I am with you. Don't say you're only a boy because I put my words in your mouth. Don't say you're only a boy. I appointed you for this. Don't say you're only a boy because I knew you before you were formed in the womb. Before your mother gave you birth, I knew you and I made you set apart for this purpose. I appointed you to be a prophet before your mother ever even existed. I knew you. Before you were formed, before you became a puddle of carbon or whatever it is that people say fetuses are now, I knew you, God says. And I gave you purpose. I gave you purpose. Before I knew you, I formed you. I knew you before and I set you apart for a purpose. I knew you before and I appointed you. And Jeremiah's response is, dude, I'm just a boy. How can I do that? I wonder what our excuse is. When we know in our heart the right thing to say or do and we don't do it, what's our excuse? When we know that we're called to be God's people in the world, but we're silent, what is our excuse? When we know that Christ has called us to feed the hungry and we see the hungry and we refuse to feed them, what is our excuse? When He calls us to visit the sick, to comfort the mourning, to serve the homeless, to love those who are hated. To give ourselves to people who can give nothing back to us. And we refuse to do it. What excuse are we hiding behind? Because dear ones, God's call to us is not predicated on us. God doesn't ask us to do those things because we're able God asks us to do those things because God is able to do them through us. I knew you before, he says. And he says that to Jeremiah, but dear ones, as you come to this table today, I want you to know that he says it to you as well. I knew you before. 
Whatever weakness is in you, He knew you before and He set you apart before. God's call on your life is eternal. His desire to be one with you is eternal. His love for you is eternal. And He knew you before. Whatever it is you think that would make you unworthy or unable to be used. So as you come to the table today, and remember this new covenant that God has made with us through Jesus, will you please leave your excuses here at the table and allow God to work in you so that you might be the person He's called you to be? That's my plan when I come today. Amen.